0: Today, we'll celebrate the 15th anniversary of the Assassin's Creed series by telling you the story of its beginnings. What started out as an idea for a next-gen Prince of Persia game slowly evolved into a story about assassins defending the world. So where did that idea come from? And do assassins actually exist as they're depicted in the game? Well, We'll answer these questions and more as we learn all about the Order of Assassins and Assassin's Creed on today's trip down memory card lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and or good evening. I hope these words find you happy and well. Hello and welcome to the 116th episode of our video game history podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week, we take a look back at one thing relevant to the current week in gaming history. It can be a game, it can be a person, it can be a console, it can be a concept. It's just relevant to the current week in gaming history. And we talk about it. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new, Period what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. This week, the Assassin's Creed series celebrates its 15th birthday! So we're going to take a look back at the beginning of the Assassin's Creed series, uh, with the original game releasing on November 13th, 2007. I'm David Kasson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who often tries to blend into crowds wearing an oversized hoodie. Of course, he's my brother, And co-host Rob Kasson. Rob, why do you hide all the time?
1: You know, sometimes you just don't feel like dealing with people, and it's really easy to hide and avoid people.
0: Sometimes? Just sometimes you don't feel like people?
1: I mean, like (laughs) 99.17%. Very true. Uh, We got a
0: lot to cover today. I've been excited to do this episode for a while. It's a whole lot of game and a whole lot of history, and you know I love me some history i um, a little nervous about it. I don't cover Middle Eastern history a whole lot, so it uses a lot of words that aren't normal to my vocabulary. And I know I say I butcher things, but it's a very distinct possibility today. That's okay. Uh, but before we get to that, Rob, what have you been playing
1: this week? Well, Dave, this week has seen a little bit of Sprocket League, a little bit of Halo Infinite. Yep. A little bit of Diablo 2 and 3, finally. <laughs> a little bit of RuneScape. And a shwee little bit of the Car Mechanic Simulator. Nice. How about yourself? It's been a busy week for me. How about you? Did you get some time to get some good gaming in? Yeah, actually. I think my list is
0: identical. Almost Rocket League, Halo, because we we play those together. I played some Risk of Rain 2. And got yelled at by you by not for not inviting you, so sorry. Diablo 2 and 3, which we played together. And I don't think there's anything else. Oh, I played a little bit of Far Cry 5. A very tiny bit. Yeah, I guess I was all over the place too. Well,
1: that's a good thing in some aspects.
0: Very, very true. So,
1: Assassin's Creed, eh? Yeah. Do you remember the first one in the series? I definitely de- remember the first one. Yeah, I put a lot of time into that trying to 100% complete it, which I don't think I ever did, actually. Not the first one? Not the first one, no. That one, uh, you know, it was a little bit before there were a lot of strategy guides and things out. And I mean, granted, you could have found some stuff on the internet, but I wasn't looking as much then. So no, I don't think I ever finished the first one in its 100% completion rate. I don't
0: think I did either, but I distinctly remember not being a huge fan of the first one. The series didn't really click for me until the second one, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, as we get into reviews and stuff later on. But I played it. I beat it. I just... the first one is not my favorite of the bunch. So, we've talked about Assassin's Creed before, briefly roughly, here we are, it's about history-wise January of 2004, and the team at Ubisoft Montreal is coming back from holiday vacation after the successful release of Prince of Persia Sands of Time. Now, if you don't know much about Prince of Persia, you can learn all about it by checking out one of our old episodes. Of course, we we have them all on our website, www.memorycardlane.com. And we covered the history of Prince of Persia a little over a year ago, uh, episode 58. The original Prince of Persia is the first cinematic platformer. And of course, it spawned a series. They're currently working on a new game in the series. So it spawned a series that is still going on to this day. Very cool. Great, great history. Check it out. So November 2003, they released the Sands of Time Prince of Persia Sands of Time Modern Prince of Persia game. And here after the holidays... The team comes together and they ask themselves, well, what's next? So they start with a simple idea. Let's make a new Prince of Persia game, of course. We just made a good one. Let's do it again. But for the next generation of consoles. Now, this is January 2004. Nobody actually knows what that means. You know, the PS3 and the Xbox 360, I think, were 2006 releases. So January 2004, no system has even been announced People just knew one was coming, and that was it. So they know they want to make a next-gen Prince of Persia, and let's say basically what they know is they want to create a next-gen action-adventure game set in the Prince of Persia universe. So they started with the notion of taking the acrobatic gameplay that is core of the Prince of Persia series and working this into an open world to take advantage of whatever new hardware was coming their way. Open world was quickly becoming a thing. I think 2000 mid 2000s was when Grand Theft Auto started to really get that into people's uh, really into people. You know, we probably had Morrowind then, so there was just some open game, open world games that was becoming that was becoming a bigger thing, and that seemed like the next logical place to take the Prince Persia series. They also knew that with that being said, next gen to them, they wanted to create something that was a little bit more mature in tone than what Prince of Persia was known for. So they really began to think about what that meant. And the creative director on Prince of Persia into into this game was Patrice de and he wanted to work on a different character than the prince. As he recalled in a later interview, uh, he wanted the prince to have a different job than just being there and waiting for the prince's mom and dad to die so that he could take their place he began to search for a job that the prince could have right away, something that would kind of lend itself to an action character. And while doing his research, he stumbled across a book he had from college that was all about secret societies. And the first story in this book was about the Old Man of the Mountain. And the Old Man of the Mountain is all about the Order of Assassins. And so it came to him. I could make him the Prince of the Assassins. Essentially, he would be the number two in the assa- in, in the organization, waiting, you know, essentially in that case, waiting for his chance to shine, right? Right. So I began to delve into the Assassins, and as he did his research and began to learn, a very different Prince of Persia game began to take shape. Now, here we are at first... Initially, the project is called Prince of Purza Next Gen, and he begins to do research on assassins. Now, I'm gonna stop there for a moment. Rob, do you know anything about assassins?
1: Uh, I know that they're pretty sneaky.
0: <laughs> yes, they,
1: they they normally can kill without being seen. Very true. Very true. That they, they they're they're for hire.
0: They they are. As a modern word, the word assassination refers to the act of murdering a prominent or important person. You know, when we talk about assassinations, we talk about them as it pertains to the assassination of world leaders or famous people, right? More so world leaders is when it's used nowadays, correct?
1: Yeah, I'd say so, yeah.
0: And assassinations, therefore, are said to be carried out, we, we call them either hitmen or assassins. Now, the modern term for assassination is commonly believed to have stemmed from tactics used by a Nazari-Ismailic order that existed somewhere between 1090, not somewhere, it existed, between 1090 and 1275 uh, CE or AD, depending on how you do it. In Arabic, they are referred to as the il Hashashins hence assassin. Okay? So... The modern word for assassination actually derives from an Islamic sect that existed, you know, there in history. Now, the story of the Old Man of the Mountain refers to the founder of the order, which was Il-Hassan Asaba, And Old Man of the Mountain is basically, it was a Syrian term that is similar to Elder, like Elder, Old Man of the Mountain, uh, is, is kind of the term. And we have this myth passed down to us by none other than Marco Polo, because in his book, The Travels of Marco Polo, he writes about the Old Man of the Mountain as he heard it in his travels. So kind of a cool little, you know, bit there. So... One of the inspirations for Assassin's Creed is actually a book written about Hassan and Hashashin, named after their base of Operations Alamut. Now, interestingly enough, in line with the Assassins, the capture of Alamut happened without much bloodshed, but it took the better part of two years. So, il basically use subterfuge to take this fortress now this fortress is in the middle of nowhere it's very strategically placed in a mountain basically very easy to defend and it's not anything really like it's not a major city it's not it's not it's the kind of place that people aren't really going to look but when they come looking it's very basically you'd have the high ground you know what i mean
1: absolutely yeah it makes sense
0: so he basically spent the better part of two years winning people over to his cause you know he won people over in the villages and then the valley and then he slowly sent people into the fortress and suddenly in 1090 the the basically mayor commander whatever terminology you want to use of the fortress he realized that he was surrounded by, uh, Hassan's uh, his, his, his followers. And at that point there was really nothing he could do. So he, he left, uh, he left and, um, Ilhasan took it over. He sneaky, took it over. He paid, paid money, uh, for it. Basically, uh, he didn't really want it nefariously, but, You know, he he basically he went over the populace and in true assassin method, he they sneakily took it over by just converting all the people over to their cause without anyone noticing, I guess is the way to put it. And from this fort, they basically waged war against their like the local populace you know the the turks the syrians these are the mountains of syrian and persia so the turks and and everyone you know they're 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 um they're muslims and 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 there were different sects of muslims they were all fighting against one another and you know they were basically being oppressed and from there they 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 spread out um there's a novel actually called element which is written by vladimir bartol that tells the origin story of the assassins. So I'm not going to go into too much about that. If you're curious, go ahead and read it. But what I want to bring up for this conversation is basically the maxim, or motto, if you will, of the of the novel. Right. So at one point there's a big reveal where you find out about a whole bunch of deception that's progressed through the novel, and that in this case, because it's this, if deception is. It's when Hassan's like, hey, guess what? I have you surrounded, right? All these people are my people. You've got nothing. And the line that he uses in reference at that point is, nothing is an absolute absolute reality. All is permitted. Now, for those of you who aren't Assassin's Creed fans, that line was taken and changed slightly and has become the mantra for the entire Assassin's Creed franchise. So as it's said throughout the Assassin's Creed as a series, it's nothing is true, everything is permitted. Um, But this is actually a line that was uttered in the book that's all about the origin story of the Assassins themselves. So as you can see, the Order of the Assassins really did exist. Like I said, they were in the mountains of Persia and Syria between 1090 and 1275. And while the Order of Assassins refers to this entire uh, Nazari mainly sect, only a small group of disciples, known as the Fedein, actually killed for the cause. Fedein is the plural Fede, which means sacrifice. It's generally understood to mean those willing to sacrifice themselves for God. And over the course of this 300 years, the Fedein carried out espionage and assassinated enemies. They killed hundreds of enemies, um, including three caliphs, a ruler of Jews, Jerusalem, and several Muslim and Christian leaders their preferred method of what we know we call now assassination was by dagger nerve poison or arrows mm. so one of the earliest recorded assassination was of a Seljuk vizier in 1092 that's basically one of the local let's say higher ups in in the way society was at the time best way to put it um this is Seljuk empire was persia so they were this is when they were trying to establish their foothold as a state as 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 their own state in persia and in all accounts the assassin actually approached him dressed as a religious figure and then stabbed him with a dagger also the ruler of jerusalem that's a really fascinating story that was conrad of moderat and his story is kind of worth a little quick glance conrad was one of the major participants in the third crusade uh There he fought against the army of Saladin during it, and more interesting though, at one point he was actually elected king of Jerusalem in April of 1192. Fun little thing though, he never actually got to wear the crown, so the elections took place in the middle of April, and word of his coronation was sent out to spread around around the 24th of April. Four days later, on the 28th of April, he was on his way home when he was attacked by a pair of assassins who stabbed him, as far as we know, at least twice in the side and the back. Now, in Assassin's Creed as a video game, you have nine targets to assassinate throughout the course of it, and William V of Montferrat is one of them. He's Conrad's father, historically. But his assassination in the game is actually inspired by the death of Conrad himself. So, fun little bit of historical... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Accuracy? No, not really accuracy. They they changed it a little bit, but it's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, either way. Still definitely cool to know.
0: Now, the power of the Order of Assassins, Ebden Flood, they assassinated this guy, they took this over. I mean, it was it wasn't so much of an underground secret sect. Not once they took over Alamut. Uh, before that, it kind of was. But once they took over Alamut, it became more of an open rebellion that worked against the, the local population that they felt was repressing them. Um, and it, 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 they, they, they fought their own for about 300 years. And then right here in, you know, what, 1200 and something, uh, that's when the Mongols swept through and everyone pretty much lost to the Mongols, um, including the Order of Assassins. They, their leaders were crushed. Their people were crushed. They kind of filtered out into other sects and states and stuff like that, and never really consolidated. Um, never really consolidated the way they had there. But yes, the Assassins were real people. They weren't. They weren't what you think they are. They're not exactly how they're participating in the game. They were more of an open state, but they existed. And not only did they exist, but they existed and they fought the way we think of assassins in the game, which is actually kind of cool when you think about it. I don't know about hidden knives and stuff like that, but they were all about the stabby-stabby, you know?
1: I mean, yeah, stabby-stabby is kind of a a discreet way you can do. You can just kind of walk up in a crowded place, stabby-stabby, and walk away and, you know... By then, most people aren't going to realize what's going on. You're already gone. Nope.
0: So the research on the assassins was done. It gave them a basis to start with. And so now there was a game to be made. Now, the first game footage that anyone remembers was basically a sim. It it was gameplay, and it featured two assassins saving the prince as a baby. You were basically playing as an assassin carrying the baby baby prince around. And basically, Desolée took some of the things he couldn't do in the Sands of Time, and he designed some of the Assassin's Creed gameplay around it. There, For instance, there's a scene in the beginning of Sands of Time that takes place in the palace. And when they originally envisioned the scene, they were really hoping to give the palace a lived-in look. Lots of people that could be there, leave the room, go everywhere in the palace, out of the palace, into the palace. They wanted a real living, breathing palace. But Sands of Time was a PS2 game and the way their engine was designed on the ps2 and the hardware of the ps2 they could only draw eight characters on screen at once and i don't know about you rob but i would call, hardly call eight people a living thriving palace
1: i mean depends on the, the palace that you're at because it could be you know just a, a very small palace it's living and thriving you know when we talk about a throne the toilet that you sit
0: on every day does not count you know that right Palaces were big,
1: buildings, and... I mean, yeah, but I'm also not generally sharing the, the, the toilet with eight other people.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, if you you might be, actually. Not at the same time, but if you're in a workplace or a public place,
1: chances are a lot more than eight asses have sat on those toilet seats. Great way of looking at it, Dave. Thank you for, for putting that thought into everyone's head. Yeah. <laughs> Also, while designing the Sands of
0: Time, they also had actually designed a section called the village, which involved jumping from rooftop to rooftop, but they couldn't figure out how to make that work on the hardware at the time. So this idea was cut. And so these became two of the things that he really wanted to bring over to the next gen. And as they did research on the assassins and the medieval cities during the Crusades, which is when this was all taking place the designs of the cities began to take shape and slowly they nailed down the core features of their next gen assassin game. They wanted open worlds with crowds. They wanted free running. They wanted assassins, right? Uh, believable cities and realistic animations. Now over the course of three years, the game and the lead assassin character in particular was fleshed out. They, had an idea of how the character dressed from historical accounts, um, a all white robes with a red belt, for instance. But they had to be a little creative as it pertained to the game, like the addition of the knives and the belt. That wasn't a, a re- there's really no historical depictions of that, but the six knives was pretty cool, and it was it was practical for the game, right? Indeed one of the first concept sketches of the assassin that was drawn by the, one of the designers really evoked the concept of a bird of prey to the team. And so this idea really resonated, uh, throughout the rest of the process. So Altair, the lead character's name actually means bird of prey in Arabic. And the imagery of an Eagle has stayed pretty much throughout the entire series. Uh, they still use that imagery to this day. They started out with long flowing robes, but that really proved they couldn't figure out how to render it efficiently with all the other things they wanted. So they shortened the robe and they gave it a more feathered look, which lent itself to the the eagle imagery, too. And then there were other changes that had to be made in the same vein. Because, of course, when you make a game, you start out with a laundry list of all the features that you want to include. And then you kind of power it down as either you don't have time or the technical expertise or maybe the, the hardware just can't do it. And so on and so forth. So, for you know, we, we said that they want to do free running and realistic animations. You know, the team wanted their parkour moves to be believable, but in the end, they chose to sacrifice realism for gameplay, fun for fun, realism for fun. Um, because what they found is where we are now, where you can make parkour moves that just really aren't very, very realistic is a hell of a lot of fun and when they took that away it just it wasn't related to that one of the things that altair is known for is called the leap of faith now the leap of faith is a move in which pretty much all the assassins in the series climb to the tallest points in the in these areas and they leap from a really tall area into a bale of hay now there's a really funny anecdote from development where at one point, one of the effect artists made the character turn a tiny bit yellow when they came out of the hay. Almost to simulate them coming out of like the hay being stuck to them and everything. And as one of the programmers was working on it and testing the effect, they found out that the, pro- that, that the effects artist forgot to reset the effect every time you go out of hay. So... They, they found that if you did it repeatedly, like 20 times, you would just end up with a bright canary yellow assassin, which is
1: kind nice. of nice. That's awesome.
0: Interestingly enough, the concept of the bales of Hay were mo- mo- mostly inspired by all those Hollywood movies where the actor jumps into a bale of hay and suddenly no one knows where he is. However, there is another connection to it. In the novel Alamut, which was about, like I said, the Old Man on the Mountain... It has an account where the old man would ask his warriors to jump off cliffs to show their faith. That's part of the old man's myth. And so the bales of hay, the leap of faith off these really tall areas into the the hay, is essentially the same thing. It's the old man asking his warriors to jump off of a cliff to show their faith. And then as the, the idea progressed, the team had to figure out just what everyone was fighting for. And they threw around a lot of ideas. And then one team member suggested the Apple of Eden, which honestly made everybody laugh at first. Because what they talked about in their mind was that, do you really want to make a game where everybody kills each other just to get an apple? But this isn't just any apple. This is the Apple of Eden. This is the source of all knowledge of mankind. And as they began to research it, you know there are tons of medieval paintings that reference the Royal Orb, the royal orb is a spherical object that is portrayed in the hands of various rulers, and it's used to symbolize faith in reference to the biblical apple. So once they came to this realization, they knew that the apple of eating Eden was probably an appropriate object for everyone to lust after and 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 do. And then one of the biggest twists of the game was the concept of the animus. Now assassin's creed takes place in different time periods in this case in medieval times but you aren't actually that character you are a modern character who is basically the concept is your dna holds the memories of your ancestors and there's a machine that can tell your ancestor stories by reading your dna and the way the plot goes is the bad guys are searching for the apple of Eden. So they're trying to get figure out by going into all these old people's uh all these people's uh ancestors' memories to find out where the Apple of Eden is. Originally they had wanted the story of Assassin's Creed to well, a story of what the at this point was called the you know, the Prince next Prince of Persia game to play out similar to the the Prince of Persia. Um which if we relate it best I can to the style of this game, it would be as if an old assassin was telling the story of his life while he was recovering from an injury. That was kind of their first concept. But one night, the creative director, Desole saw a TV show about DNA on the History Channel. And from that show, he got the idea of reading memories through DNA and that your ancestors live on through DNA. And through these ideas um through all these ideas the apple of eden and the bales of hay the leap the assassin so on and so forth the game just kind of involved you know we start out with prince of Persia next gen and those really basic concepts about two years in they had a basically a framework of a game in which the prince himself was an ai controlled the prince was ai and it was watched he, the prince was watched over by an assassin that was controlled by the player and that player would serve as the prince's bodyguard and re, and rescue him from various situations at this point the project had been named codenamed Prince of Persia Assassin now ubisoft's management when prince of persia assassin was brought to them they didn't really care for this idea they wanted another game in the prince of persia franchise because sands of time did pretty well But they weren't thrilled about having to release a game in which the prince, Prince of Persia after all, wasn't the lead character. So the team working on this game countered with the notion of turning the game into its own intellectual property in all the ways that we've talked about up until this point. And at that point, the decision was made and the name Assassin's Creed was given to it. So, over time, the the team continued to work on it. The team grew to support the development up to about 150 people working on it by the end. It was a huge endeavor, had a lot of really well known people in it, but everyone made it and they worked on it, you know, and and they got to the end and they were getting ready to release it. And then, according to Charles Randall, who was the lead AI developer for the game, uh, Games Combat Systems, the game was originally only based around the main missions of assassinating the main targets, the nine main targets, and there were no side quests whatsoever. And about five days before they were, they were supposed to have sent the final version to mass production. They were contacted by the Ubisoft CEO who had said that his son had played the game and he found it boring. And he asked him, he told him, he basically, you guys need to add more content to it at side quests. And so for the next five days to meet the deadline, the team basically added all the collecting side quests to the game to give it more depth and to bug test it to make sure that they worked and they still were required to meet their mass production deadline. I bring that up because I like Assassin's Creed, but I think I struggled with the first one for that very reason because it has a lot of collecting missions, and I also, I don't know, I got kind of bored with them. You know, do you ever like those?
1: I mean, I don't really remember too much. Um, I know I really enjoyed the game and I played the hell out of it, but I don't really remember how I felt about the side quest specifically. Um, I mean, obviously, we'll get to a a certain point about the game, how the game feels in our reviews of the day. And I agree with the sentiment, of a lot of them. Um, But I will wait till our reviews to touch on that. Cop out. Yeah, you're right.
0: All right, so for those of you who don't know, Assassin's Creed is an action-adventure game set in an open world, they achieve that in, and it's played from a third-person perspective. And basically, you're Altair, you are the descendant of Desmond Miles, and basically Altair has to carry out a series of assassinations who's ordered by the leader of the as ordered by the leader of the Assassins. And to achieve this goal, he has to travel from uh, basically through a bunch of cities, Jerusalem, Acre, Damascus. He meets up with a brotherhood uh, brotherhood of assassins. Brotherhood agent in that city. They get a safe house in a the city. They have to perform reconnaissance missions to kind of learn about their targets. And there's also a bunch of side missions. These are the fill-ins we are just talking about. You can you have eavesdropping missions, you have interrogation missions, pickpocketing missions there's basically assassins around the city who need help with things and you go about it. And, and yeah, like me personally, I struggle with it because it, I mean, the story is great. Honestly, the story was great, but you go from one city to the story and then do all these extras. And, and it, it just felt like the same thing over and over and over to me, which is probably why I think I struggled so much with the first game. Why it didn't click for me because it was very repetitive and i just eh, was lukewarm on it now before i move on any further the second one just did it for me second assassin's creed is amazing and i have been a huge fan of the series ever since so don't get the impression that i'm not an assassin's creed fan i am i just want to make that distinction that this first game was and is not my favorite um but that's my stance I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more, but Rob, you know, this is about the point where we talk about how other people felt about the games uh, when it came out.
1: So what does that look like with Assassin's Creed? Well, Dave, we're going to kick it off with our critic reviews, as we always do. Starting off with GamePro, who wrote that it's hard to put the sheer size and brilliance of Assassin's Creed into words. It is an epic game that you have to experience for yourself. I will caution that the game is not for the impatient or the faint of heart. While you can plow through the main storyline in under 20 hours, to truly get every single last shred of gaming goodness, you'll probably have to put in twice that number. So, they felt it was good, but you know, uh, just it was definitely for people who had a uh, little bit more patience and could put the time in to truly understand everything about it. Next up, we have Games Radar who wrote that we're just going to come out right out and say it. Assassin's Creed is fantastic. More to the point, it's beautifully realized, richly detailed, and carried by a story that twists that rivals with twists that rival the surprises of BioShock. It's also endlessly fun, giving players complete freedom to tear ass across the rooftops and streets of its medieval cities as they track down their targets and try to avoid attracting attention while doing so. Cherry-picking elements from games like Prince of Persia, Gun, Crackdown, and Hitman, Assassin's Creed offers up a huge, freely explorable world consisting of three crowded, historically accurate cities. All of these are connected by the kingdom, a vast expanse of secret-filled wilderness that can be explored on horseback. Survival here isn't a matter of just wildly hacking at your enemies, but of careful timing. Your enemies are extremely good at blocking your strikes, so it's often best to simply hang back in a defensive stance and rely on precisely timed counterattacks, which usually kill instantly. Later on, you'll learn a lot of moves that will give you an edge in a fight, but they're never really necessary for survival. What makes the fights interesting is that the guards don't act like robots. They'll sometimes drop their guard to taunt you or scratch an itch, leaving them open to a strike. They'll also react with horror when you messily kill their friends and will sometimes even give up and run away screaming things aren't going their way. The crowds around you will react in much the same way, gathering around to watch it first and then scattering in terror at the first sign of blood. With its riveting story, beautiful visuals, and surprisingly lifelike world, Assassin's Creed is an incredibly deep, enjoyable game that kept us addicted from beginning to bizarre end. It's bogged down by a lot of monotonous repetition and a fighting system that's sure to frustrate hack and slash fans, but neither of those things really diminished our enjoyment of the game, and both were far outweighed by the thrill of tearing around its enormous cities and carefully planning spectacular assassinations. It might not be for everyone, but playing through Assassin's Creed still stands as one of the most outstanding gaming experiences of 2007.
0: Well, they liked it.
1: Absolutely, Dave, but that wasn't the case for all critics, believe it or not. No? Not at all. Uh, Our final critic review for the day is from Destructoid, who starts out with saying that Assassin's Creed is a disappointing, repetitive game. Filled with horrendously long and unnecessary cutscenes, a boring plot, tedious chores, and significant difficulty problems. It's a game with a few great ideas, but absolutely no idea how to implement them. But once you get past all that, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be able to have a hell of a fun time off with it. Firstly, the graphics look good on the 360. They did The writer did experience a really weird, insignificant frame drop, which lasted for about five minutes, but once the frame rate turned to normal, never happened again. Generally, character models look good, the lighting is great, and the draw distance is damn spectacular. They say they're not a big fan of cutscenes, but they almost always find the patience to sit through them if they're being told important information or if the story is interesting enough. Assassin's Creed numerous protracted cutscenes, however, are filled to the brim with dull characters, boring dialogue, and heaps upon heaps upon heaps upon goddamn heaps of exposition. (laughs) Characters tell other characters exactly what they're feeling, what they're going to do, and how. It's impossible to give a rat's ass because it's all delivered so dryly. Even after assassinating a mark, the player has to sit through a 2-3 minute cutscene as they give their valediction. It kills the pace of the game, and it's totally unnecessary. When they say pace, though, it brings to mind the biggest complaint with Assassin's Creed. It's awfully repetitive. You only have 9 targets to kill throughout the course of the game, but due to the time-consuming and tedious tasks you have to go through between every assassination the game somehow runs about 15 to 20 hours at the minimum. The fighting system is very rhythmic and timing-based. It's not about hacking and slashing as hard or as fast as you can, but in carefully timing your attacks to expose your enemy's weaknesses. Once you get the counterattack ability, Altair can insta-kill any enemy so long as he counters them at the right moment. The counterattack animations are truly incredible. Altair spins, dodges, weaves, and strikes, with a fluidity never before seen. Indeed, once after getting the hang of it countering and attacking, and found themselves in fights of up to six seven guards, they were stringing together count- counters and offensive slashes to create a goddamn ballet of death and destruction. They're not exaggerating at all when they say that Assassin's Creed contains the single most visually rewarding melee combat system ever implemented for the time. They found themselves picking fights with guards just so they could experience the pleasure of countering their attacks and viciously finishing them off with well-timed sword blows. Ubisoft said that Altair could climb any aspect of the environment, which juts out more than 2 centimeters. And they weren't joking. The game world becomes Altair's playground as the player climbs buildings, searching for handholds, and shimmying across rooftops. Again, manipulating the environment really just comes down to holding a couple of buttons and using the joystick to direct Altair's hands and feet as he reaches for the next ledge or handhold. It looks incredible and feels immensely rewarding. Now, These two mechanics, the free-running and the combat, make Assassin's Creed a very, very enjoyable action game. It's just a shame that Assassin's Creed doesn't quite know that it's an action game. Assassin's Creed is a a disappointment, don't get me wrong. It's repetitive and self-contradictory, and a hell of a chore at times. But even so, it contains some truly incredible moments of gameplay due to its fighting and free-running mechanics. They aren't implemented in the best way, or even used to their full potential, but it's still absurdly fun to get into a sword fight with a dozen baddies and come through unscathed, or to seamlessly run and jump and climb across the Jerusalem landscape. If you go into Assassin's Creed with the knowledge that it's a disappointing exercise in repetition, you'll actually have more fun. Once you realize that sword fighting and pre-running represent the only real fun you'll experience, you'll come to appreciate them that much more. In conclusion, lower your expectations, don't play it for more than three hours at a time, and don't pay more than nine bucks to get a hold of it.
0: <laughs>
1: Assassin's Creed is an above-average game, but just barely
0: okay now see my problem with games like that open world games is i'm i'm kind of a completionist and i have to do it all i'm with you and in a game like that where it's the same thing over and over and over it really is a slog so maybe limiting it to three hours at a time is realistic but that's just not me but um <laughs> I, you know i, I you can't can't always win No,
1: I I absolutely agree with you. But, you know, it seems to be a common thing. Everyone does say that it is repetitive and that, uh, you know, it's just going over the same thing over and over again, that there's a lot of fun to it. It's just very repetitious. And that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier is that I, I kind of felt the same way that I remember a lot of it was just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again. And then you had a couple parts where it's like, wow, this is a lot of fun. This is cool. And then it's like, well, I have to do all this other stuff to get to the fun parts. But, I mean, such is the state of many games nowadays, it seems.
0: That is very true. That is that is very, very true. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool.
1: So, Dave, with that, we're going to go ahead and leave the critics on back in the past and kicking on over to our user reviews. So, starting off with our users, we have Shan B from Metacritic, who writes that Assassin's Creed is a great game especially to those who are into action games. The environment and characters all look stunning. The gameplay is fun and will keep you entertained even by just jumping across buildings. The only downside is that it does become a little repetitive near the end of the game. Overall, Assassin's Creed is a great game that will not disappoint. Okay. So next we have user M Allen from Obi Games who writes that Assassin's Creed is The Third Crusade meeting Grand Theft Auto. They find that the good are the graphics, being the best in a game they've ever seen. Everything from the tallest building to the smallest rock are incredibly detailed. The environments give so much freedom in this game. There is so much to explore in each of the cities in the kingdom. Plus, you can climb almost anything, so you can get to places pretty easily. The story of the game is incredible, and the theory of getting inside the mind of people to bring back memories of long-dead ancestors is awesome. That twined with the story of the Assassin's feud with the Templars and the Third Crusade with the storyline's twist in the end? That's pretty cool. And the motion. Everything from a turn to an attack counter. The motions are incredibly realistic. Attack counters are especially cool. Particularly when it's the final strike and you kill the enemy. But it's not all good, Dave. No. There is some bad. Yeah. So, the major bad points for them were the end of the story. They felt that it kind of spoiled the ending with all of that magic stuff, which was a big letdown. And the combat. Despite the cool counters and other moves, combat is very limited. Only one enemy can attack you at one time, and the moves are very few. There's only attack, counter, and dodge. Either that, or you can run. And lastly... The enemy AI. Sure, the enemies can detect you if you kill someone right in front of you, but some of the hiding spots are so obvious, you think they took a look in some. And it seems that they just give up too easily when looking for you. But bottom line Assassin's Creed is an awesome game, well worth the price. Great for anyone who wants to complete missions, and for those who just want to go around and kill people for fun. But much of, like, with the critics, Dave, Mm -hmm. not everyone loved this game. No? Not at all. Our last user today from Metacritic is user Asylum Spades, who writes that Assassin's Creed is poor and has repetitive mission objectives. A confusing story and no replay value take a huge chunk out of the value of this game. While I had a ton of promise...
0: This
1: game sucks. <laughs> okay. So I apparently they really did not like it, which I mean, it, it's definitely one of these ones that it's not all 100% for or against. It seems a very decent mixed crowd, uh, but it seems that even the people who love the game have the same gripes with the people who hate the game. It was just extremely repetitive, but luckily I think they did a pretty good job of that with the future of the game. But I guess I'll let you talk about that. So, Dave, tell us, what came after Assassin's Creed?
0: Assassin's Creed 2?
1: Are there any others, Dave? Because I'm sure there's more than just that one.
0: Assassin's Creed 3. Assassin's Creed 4. Assassin's Creed... What came after 4? Black Flag?
1: That that was 4. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well... You're forgetting about ones like Unity and Syndicate and Brotherhood.
0: Well, those came after, and then they rebooted. Well, the not Brotherhood.
1: Brotherhood would have come out between two and three, if I remember correctly.
0: And then they, but then they rebooted the series. Like there, there's different phases to the uh, to the Assassin's Creed universe, and basically, like they did all those, and then they rebooted it, and we got new ones in like you're right so assassin assassin's creed assassin's creed 2 had two sequels brotherhood and revelations revelations blew my mind by the way um and those are all done back in the same time you know that 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 older stuff and then assassin's creed 3 took went to the american revolution assassin's creed 4 black flag went to the golden age of piracy and then, uh, what, Unity, Syndicate... And Rogue. And Unity, Rogue. Rogue,
1: and Syndicate would have all been around the same time as well.
0: Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And then they went and they reinvented it after Syndicate, uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. And the game changed from a self-action game over to a role-playing game. Bigger open worlds, build up your character. The first one, Origins, was all about ancient Egypt. The second one, Odyssey, was Classical Greece. And the third one, the 2021, was Valhalla, which was set in England and Norway during the Viking Age. I really like the new ones. One of the coolest things, the recreation, just so everyone knows, and we'll get back to the old one. The recreation of all of them, other than the first one, is amazing. So they didn't actually go and visit the place or really look at the place, other than researching medieval cities in general for the first assassin's creed which they look back now in hindsight they say hey that was kind of a mistake but we kind of glad we got the gist of it but starting with assassin's creed 2 they actually went and visited where these places where these take place and they modeled the games after it like origins is an amazing recreation of egypt and odyssey is an amazing recreation of greece and the point is if you're into history like me each of those games has a basically like a history mode where you don't actually play the game, but you can go in there and go around and like be a tourist to these areas and learn about like in Egypt the pyramids and the Sphinx and all the other all the other temples and everything that are around everywhere. And the same thing with Odyssey, you can go around and learn all about the all the um, all the stuff in Odyssey that doesn't exist anymore, which I think is super cool. So
1: that's actually really cool. I was not aware of that fact. You didn't know those modes existed? Oh, you honest... never played the new ones. Nope, I haven't gotten to the new God, ones yet.
0: You... It's crazy, because I remember for a while I used to buy you Assassin's Creed for Christmas every year, and we used to play the hell out of them separately because they're not a multiplayer game. Um, and I, I'm surprised. Okay, to be fair, I didn't get into Origins either at first because I kind of got burnt out on the series, probably about Syndicate, Um. And and I I don't syndicate and unity were not my favorites at all, um, and so I I I basically kind of got burnt out on it. So when Origins came out, I was like, "Meh, we'll see how this goes." And then I actually played it a little bit after it came out, and I, I love it. I think the the shifts they made to the current series make it some of my favorite games of all time. But they're huge. I mean, they're so big. They're so so big. So look, so Assassin's Creed is. Um, it's an absolute juggernaut of a series, you know, by of this time, you know, total sales of the series has exceeded 200 million copies altogether. There are multiple comic books, there are multiple novels, there are two board games set in the Assassin's Creed universe, there's actually an audio drama called Assassin's Creed Gold, which I believe is an audible there are three short films, if I'm not mistaken, two animated ones and one live one, and of course they came out with a theatrical film. What would that have been?
1: I'm not familiar with that one, Dave. It might have been later, maybe
0: 2017. Anyways, there's a theatrical film. It's called Michael Fassbender in it as an assassin. It's it's okay.
1: Oh shit, I remember actually. Yeah, no, that was 2016. Uh,
0: Mm. it's okay it's it's just okay just to be clear and right now netflix is currently working on stuff in the assassin's creed universe they announced in 2020 a live action series an animated series and an anime series that are all set in the Mm. assassin's creed universe so there is live action assassin's creed stuff working on in, in terms of where the series is going gaming wise uh, we just got announcements for what did we just get announcements for? Mirage, right? Baghdad set in Baghdad during the Islamic Golden Age. So that's the one that they're working on now. Um, and also supposedly they're also working on a like it's called a, right now it's codenamed Assassin's Creed Infinity. It's going to be a live service kind of like they, they, they give it they say it's going to be like Fortnite or Grand Theft Auto Online, where it's a world you can log into and do all these sorts of things, but it'll be based in the Assassin's Creed universe. Um,
1: it,
0: it Basically, it's going to be like the modern-day setting of the Assassin's Creed names where you can log into the Animus to go into the historical side, but it'll be a live, you know, basically living world. So we have all sorts of, um, of fun Assassin's Creed. It's, it's always fun when we get stuff you know, and, and everybody's kind of working on stuff. So, yeah, so that is, that's, that's basically Assassin's Creed. That's Assassin's Creed. You know what I mean?
1: No, absolutely. It's uh, a phenomenal series. Uh, The original one might not have been everyone's uh, cup of tea, but it's still definitely, if you enjoy the series and have never played it, I would highly recommend to at least understand where the series came from to kind of see how it started and see how far it's come since.
0: I really like the um crap, I can't find the word again. Um it's not completely historical accurate, but it has roots in 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 history and I really take the like the um artistic um um what's the word I'm looking for? Artistic
1: Yeah, I'm blanking on it too damn you dave embellishment no it's not embellishment
0: oh what the hell is it what the hell is the word
1: it's not retcon right
0: no artistic license that's yep yeah. i really like the way the assassin's creed series uses some artistic license and playing with the history you know there is there is a historical basis in 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 what they do um, you know course the apple of eden doesn't really exist as we know it but the assassins were in actual order the templars existed they may not have been at odds the way it's explained in this game but you know we have we have a, a base a historical basis for the story and real historical figures are found in the game but of course you know they take the artistic license with how they're murdered or assassinated or what have you but i really like I really like this game because it has its roots in history, and I think it does a really great job in it. It is close... I, I think it's close to actual historical depictions of assassins, and I think it does a really great job of that. And it's really fun that if you didn't know that these people existed, they really did exist. They they walked around and they, they stabby stabbied people. They, they murdered the de facto king of Jerusalem at one point. They, they murdered... Uh, William of Tyre. I don't know if it was William of Tyre or was someone of Tyre.
1: What about Franz Ferdinand, Dave?
0: No, they did not murder Franz Ferdinand. No.
1: No, the Archduke.
0: Yeah, they didn't murder him.
1: But How do you know mur- he wasn't? <laughs> Maybe Franz was part of the Order of Assassins.
0: Okay. All right. All right. We're gonna get Assassin's Creed World War One now. Someone at Ubisoft is gonna go shit. That's a great idea. Write that one down. <laughs> As, as they're as they're trying to figure out all these new ones, uh, we got the Baghdad one. They apparently they're working on one set in England. A feudal Japan one came up. Um, so I think an Assassin's Creed set in like the Samurai age would be badass. Um, well,
1: yeah. Would it be
0: Would it be more ninja though? Doesn't matter. It'll it'd it... be super cool.
1: I, I agree. I think it would still be super cool, but. I feel like it would be a slightly different style, being more towards Japanese culture, which focused more on, I feel, ninjas in that era.
0: In, a, in any case, uh, it was just, uh, it, it was just good. But it, it's, it's always good to look back at history. You know, that's what we do here, week in and week out. We we talk about history. We do so on this podcast, our video game history podcast, where we cover lots of different video games. If you ever want to check out some of our old episodes which show some old historical video games like The Prince of Persia where this game got its start. You can do so by visiting our website at www.memorycardlane.com. Also at memorycardlane.com you can check a calendar that shows upcoming episodes and events. You can check uh, our biographies are on there. My show notes are on there. A link to our discord. link to our social media I can be found on various platforms as David is wrong. Maybe not Twitter. Twitter is imploding right now. I haven't checked mine in a, a hot moment since it started. Uh, who knows how much longer it will exist. But anyways, other places on David is wrong, Rob, where can people find you on social media?
1: I am on twitch.tv forward slash F-A-T-B-O-I-R-I-P-Z. Awesome.
0: Well, each week... We tried to tell you a story relevant to something in game history. This week it was the Assassin's Creed video game that got its start. The Assassin's Creed series rather got its start 15 years ago with the original game. And we tell you these stories to teach you something new about your favorite video games. Um, something new about the people who made your favorite video games. Something new about the inspirations from which your favorite video games came from. Or something new about the legacies that your favorite video games have left behind. Now, the joy of doing this podcast week in week out is when we teach you things; we learn things as well. Uh, there's lots of things that I don't know before doing all my research. Part of the fun is learning, and every week we go round table and talk about our big takeaways. So, Rob, what did you learn today?
1: Well, Dave, if I'm completely honest, I had no idea that Assassin's Creed was supposed to be part of the Prince of Persia games. Uh, that That's completely new to me. Cool. Obviously, knowing Prince of Persia now, I can see the similarities between the two. Uh, but yeah, I I had no idea that it was originally intended on being a Prince of Persia game and that it would have been a very different thing had that stayed the way it was intended initially. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So uh, pretty cool to know. I'm glad that they made the change and did what they did with it because I freaking love Assassin's Creed. And to be quite honest, I don't know how I feel about Prince of Persia. I haven't really played too much of it. So glad that change was made. But that's that's my biggest takeaway personally. So how about yours?
0: 300 years of a Nazari Ismaic sect. I never had an excuse or really a reason. It never. I can never recall it coming up in any of my history classes either that the order of assassins I, i i mean let's be honest it was a really small islamic sect that existed for 300 years which is not i mean it's just not i don't know they didn't they didn't do anything that shifted the course of of history i guess in a big way don't don't take those words out of context not that um, we know of yeah no It'd you're pretty crappy
1: assassins <laughs> otherwise
0: <laughs> i guess but the point is is i never really had an excuse to study the the order of assassins i never really paid attention to them i knew that the hasha existed but i never really paid attention to what they were what they were about or you know that that they were a Sunni sect that that branched off and and you know got their start by quietly taking over a mountain fortress and then they started assassinating political figures around them to establish their own state in persia and syria and that never really happened and yeah i just it, it was a lot of fun to dive into 300 years of history that i i'd never really encountered before and it's fun as i learned that to kind of see how that turned into assassin's creed the video game in fact i think that i well i don't think Next time I go, I'm going to find that book because I've never read that novel either from the library. And I will probably read that, read that novel about how the order got its start. So that was fun. Right on. And that, my friends, is the Assassin's Creed. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. Rob. Dave. I'm going to take it out of here. Okay. Before I do, what do you want to
1: add? Uh, Well, Dave, I suppose, as always, I'll take a quick second to say... Thank you to everyone for listening. It means the world. I don't know what the accent was for. I guess I just felt like being silly. It doesn't take away from the fact that we enjoy you being here. And we hope that we at least provide some small amount of enjoyment in your life. Because if we don't, well, thanks for at least giving us views and making us not so internet famous.
0: Yes, what he said. Thank you. Yeah. All right next week we're gonna go back to the 90s we're gonna go look at a game that helped reestablish one of nintendo's bigger gaming franchises and a game that in particular helped nintendo win the console wars of the 90s nowadays it's frequently found on the list of the best video games of all time donkey kong country Hmm. i love donkey kong country did you love donkey kong country
1: I don't know if I played it enough to say that I loved it or not, but I definitely have remembered playing it.
0: Oh, my God. This game blew my mind when it came out. It was so freaking cool. Uh, Donkey Kong Country, modern Donkey Kong, follows Donkey Kong and his nephew Diddy Kong as they set out to recover their stolen banana horde from King Arrule and his Kremlings. Honestly, it's an interesting story about how it came about. That's what we're going to talk about next week. So join us again as we go bananas on yet another trip. Down memory card lane to the thing.
1: N doobity doop dop doop dop ndo doop ndoo doop doo doo yeah.
0: No monkey business.
1: Not this week. <laughs>